Amen? Amen. Well, uh, many of you uh, have known our, our brother Dick and his wife Donna for many years. In fact, they have been a part of our church family here for longer than I have. Uh, they've been coming to New Life before myself and Pastor Mark and the whole family came down here, and uh, they have been a, a regular uh, guest here, and every year uh, faithful to come and minister, and uh, we are just always so blessed by uh, just the incredibly gift, uh, the incredible gift of ministry that God has given them, and, uh, and what a blessing that has been to us and to many of you individually and, of course, uh, as, as our church as a whole. And so uh, it is that time of year again, so please give a warm New Life welcome to our brother, Dick Williams. Always delighted to get to be here with you guys. It's so important that we have a revelation of the love of God that is facilitated by the New Covenant. Bible's one book, same God in the Old Covenant as in the New Covenant, but it's a different way of dealing. When Jesus Christ came, the finished work of the cross, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension removed the veil, and it was no longer a matter of performance according to a legal moral code but rather a yielding to the Spirit and revealing a loving God, a patriarchal Father who had been that all along, but now could reveal that to us as that there was no longer a designation of blessings if you did good and curses if you did wrong. The curses had been removed. He became a curse for us. Now there's correction, there's correction, there's no condemnation to those. There's contamination when we step in poop in the pasture and he's there to wash our feet with the water of the word. But we begin to see how marvelous, expansive the love of God is. And it comes when we say, Lord, I yield to the spirit. I relinquish this veil of performance even though I was raised that way. In a culture of a family background, perhaps it demanded culture, demanded performance in order to be recognized and acceptable. And I recognize your grace that is the operational force and favor that was released through the finished work of the cross that includes everything that I could ever need. And you are schooling me in the appropriation of that revelation and bringing all spiritual blessings to the terra firma of where I live and walk, that I might walk in that favor. And I'm no longer focused on a code, but I am focused on the Lord who fulfilled that righteousness of the law. And as I yield to the spirit of moral excellence, I am empowered to walk in accord with that righteousness not because I'm focused on the code, but focused on the person relying and responding to him. And not only is that righteousness that has been imputed to my account, I embrace the grace of it and am empowered to walk 
in the purity of it. That's the Christian life in a nutshell. So we fall. At times, we leave a fresh face print in the ground. We drift to the left, which is license, the right, which is legalism. God, the backseat driver, according to Isaiah 40, 31, says, this is the way, walk ye in it. What's the way? It is the momentum, buoyancy, force, and flow of the life flow of Jesus in you and for you that we need to be renewed to regularly and refueled to by a regular basis that keeps him on course with knowing him and ever-increasing intimacy to make him known in heightened effectiveness. That's just basic Christianity. He is the Christian life. The love of God as we become rooted and grounded, that is, nurtured and stabilized, we begin to see how expansive it is. Donna and I have been in eight different countries and we're amazed to discover that although this nation of ours has been blessed spectacularly, God is not an American. <laughs> He's not even a registered Republican. That shocked me. <laughs> but we saw him packed in the gift trap of Yugoslavia, Dutch people, British, Welsh, Hungarian, Polish, and yet we saw the commonality of the king and his kingdom wrapped in the unique cultures. And we saw the tremendous sweetness beaming from their faces that transcended a language gap. God's not through with America. He ordained the origins of this nation. We've been off track on occasion. But wants to see us great in grace that is humbled in repentance that invites his sovereignty to be supreme in our midst, to be given over to the overcomer, become overcomers in the midst of the corruption of the world system. And to see Jesus invasive in every sector of secular society, be it politics, be it military, be it education, be it the media, be it entertainment, and to begin to learn where our deployed assignment is. We're all gotten a piece of the action. I just turned 82 in September. When I turned 81, I thought, you know, Lord, I've lived to a ripe old age. It would be nice to look back in my rearview mirror, say I fought a good fight, finished my course, and go to sleep some night and just wake up in your presence. And he said almost heartily, Dick, you're not getting off that easy. You got to be around for a piece of the action sign of this new visitation that is already in formation, and we're sensing nuances of it all over the place and he saves the best wine for last. Yes. Yes. The length of the love of God that can reach out to the prodigals that seem light years away. The depth that will meet us in the valley of the dark night of the soul and the heights that will lead us in eagle's flight into prophetic perspective in the aerial view. He's there with us. And as we get a grasp on just how he is love personified, Faith that works by love comes forward. We're able to reciprocate that love to him who first loved us. And love inspires obedience to spirit and truth. 
As Jesus said, if you love me, you will resultingly keep my commands. Hallelujah. Just plain, wonderful Christianity. Hallelujah. Here's a song about his love. Sometimes it amazes me How strong the power of your love can be Sometimes you just take my breath away You watch my love grow as a child Sometimes gentle, sometimes wild Sometimes you just take my breath away Too good to slip by, too good to lose Too good to be there, just to use Gonna stand up on a mountain top And tell the news That you mm, You take my breath away Sometimes it amazes me How strong the power of your love can be Sometimes you just take my breath away Your beauty's there in all I see When I feel your eyes on me Don't you know it takes my breath away Too good to slip by, too good to lose Too good to be there just to use Gonna stand up on a mountain top and tell the news that you are you take my breath away too good to slip by too good to lose too good to be there just to use gonna stand up on a mountain top and tell the news that you take my breath away. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, beginning long about verse 18 and proceeding for several verses describes the plight of a lot of Christians in these days. The beloved, who is a type of the church collectively or the individual soul, finds herself encased in a self-imposed exile of winter while eternal spring is going on outside her. And she could be reclusive for a number of reasons. Crushing disappointments that doesn't want to risk anything again and suffer another disappointment. A train wreck of a relationship that's afraid to venture out again. Perhaps the devastation of a divorce. Maybe the deep backstabbing betrayal of a friend. 
perhaps someone that she leaned on like a crutch and it broke under her and the shaft of it stabbed her on the way down. But she lays there in an anguished, self-imposed exile, kind of leaning on her numb button, trying to not feel anything at all. Anguishing for what she had previously known as first love relationship with the king. Suddenly she lifts her head up from the pillow, I imagine. Some of this I'm conjecting a little artistic license. And she looks out the window, that's in there, and she sees bounding down the mountainside, leaping over the crevices with anointed athletic agility that would put the decathlon champ to shame. And he's running down in her direction. Immediately she gets up, puts on her best gown, sets the table with the choicest tea, tea for two, and she sits and waits for his knock at the door. But there's no knock. She thinks, what's going on here? And so she leans back in her chair and glances. And there he is standing at the window. And he's smiling, winking, flirting. She goes over to the window. He says, now you see me, now me don't. And now he's out at the lattice, peeking through the foliage at her. Smiling, winking, flirting, wooing, as if to say, I've got no intention of coming into where you are. I am calling you out from reclusiveness and self-imposed winter into the eternal spring that I have ordained. Amen. Come away, my beloved. She slips into her shoes, opens the door, and he's there with his hand extended takes her through the gate, and she begins to smell the fragrance of spring in the air, of the blossoms. She sees the pastel bouquets on the hillsides, and he presents her with a bouquet of flowers. That's not in there, but I can see it happening. If I was producing a movie, I would put it in there, and nobody would complain and say it was unscriptural. <laughs> God gave us an imagination to sometime look between the lines, do a little storytelling. And he begins to point out, can you hear the song of the spirit? Can you hear the song of the turtle dove? And she finds herself able to look between the lines of the world system of corruption and chaos and sense and see in the spirit in much the way that Elisha, when he was surrounded by the Syrians, knew that there'd be more for us than against us. Amen. Open my servant Gehazi's eyes. The boy is looking at the wrong thing. He's looking at the circumstances of just the corruption and the chaos that is running rampant across the face of the planet and across our nation. And the Lord opens his eyes and he sees multiple legions of chariots and angelic hosts that far outnumber the adversary. With the population explosion, Satan has got a personnel problem. I can't find in the scriptures where demons reproduce. So he's got to work overtime in his mastery as an illusionist and magnifying himself. 
That's what he does best. We're going to, at the end of this whole thing, see him led away into judgment and say, we were afraid of that. <laughs> Hallelujah. We begin to see in the spirit. She sm Here's the sound of the song of the Lord. A friend of mine in the ministry was walking down the Las Vegas um, strip and just experienced an open heavens. And basically, that's just the Lord opens our eyes to what's already here. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Amen. So saw Isaiah, and thus said the Lord to that prophet, as he saw the Lord high and lifted up, his train filled the temple. His train speaks of his victory train, of his robe. And every time a king conquered another king, he took a piece of his robe and sewed it onto his own. And it sees Jesus having accomplished our full salvation over depression, oppression, disease, and poverty. Amen. He's accomplished the whole thing. It's already been set into motion by grace, which is God's ability to provide and watch over his word to bring it into manifestation. And it is ours to learn how appropriate in faith to lay aside religiosity and rebellion and to begin to perceive the love of God, that veil of performance according to legalism having been removed and see that we are new creatures in Christ created in righteousness, holiness of the truth. We stand in blameless, perfect righteousness in our spirit and he begins to work and to woo our heart to work in oneness with our spirit and release his redeeming, liberating life into our emaciated, religiously polluted souls, our self-awareness, and to begin to flush that out, to rush that out, and to begin to cause us to become conduits and lampstands of his kingdom rule on planet Earth. Amen. That's just plain, basic Christianity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Each new day becomes an adventure. You know, I look back on what he's taught me and amazed that he could teach me anything. A lot of it's been in spite of myself and I've been dragged kicking and screaming or cornered into a, a, an escape hatch was the only way out and it turned out to be an entry in whole new beginnings. But I look with childlike bewonderment and amazement at the volumes of revelation knowledge yet before me that form oceans. And at 82 years old, the kid is still alive in me to dream and do. I got things on the drawing boards of my heart, visions that he's given me that he wants to birth into visibility. And the older I get, the more I dream and get done. Lord, I just want to say I love you. My voice soars freely to your waking ears. Now that I've said it, let me sing to you the song I feel and bring to you. As the fruit of my lips I yield. And with my song I serenade you 
And with my fingers Move across melodic strings My joy now wells up And dances as a fountain here Before you Lord, I adore you Let your mountains with their peaks Reflect your setting sun let the rising surf now break and bow before you. Let everything with breath now breathe your holy name and say, Jesus, Lord, I adore you. Lord, I adore you. The psalmist said, He restores my soul. Our soul is our humanness it's our earthenware in our spirit we are royalty birthed replicated into the perfect image of Jesus our heart is the depths of where we ponder and are impassioned and as our spirit is fed with the word and God's presence and flexed in worship our heart comes to where our treasure is didn't Jesus say that and pulsates as one and streams of his redeeming life and its buoyancy, force, and flow are released into our soul, which is daily transfused and transformed from glory to glory. And there's the Lord with his beloved leading her up the mountainside. And they're dancing up the mountain. And every now and then they pause in a cleft. Cleft speaks of identification with his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And she gets a revelation of how dead she is after the old. Knowing this, that my old man has been crucified with Christ. And how new she is in the nowness and ungoingness. Hallelujah. And she begins to see that in ever-increasing depths and heights as they are bounding up the mountainside and she begins to share in the imparted, anointed agility of himself. Becomes poetry in motion. Be doers of the word, James wrote. Doer literally means poem, poetes is the word. As we get that word within the word, the speech of God on our inner audio, and we live in concert with that, we become a doer of the word. We see a promise, we line up our expectations with it. You're a doer of the word. We hear a proclamation of his character. We line up with it in praise and worship. We are a doer of the word. We see a command in his word and see it not as a laborious legalism, but a path unto soul health and soul safety. We are a doer of the word. We hear a testimony of a hero of the faith. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. We say, hey, me too. We are a doer of the word. And our lives become poetry in motion. There is a certain anointed grace and anointed agility in the spirit that we're moving in this harmoniousness with the unforced rhythms of his power operating within us, his grace, and our lives increasingly become poetry in motion. Ah, we may trip over our own feet, fall on our face, he gathers up, up again and said, hey, I've missed my dancing partner. 
Let's keep climbing the mountain and enjoying the view. Every now and then she looks over her shoulder. He says, see how far you've come? But that's enough of a backward look. Let's keep looking upward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. There are times when the shadows of mountains of cares would cause darkness to fall. And my soul gropes and strains, tries to lift me from all my despair. Yet deep in my spirit, a still small voice says to wait and be still. And in faith to look up over peaks of the obstacles there. And I see Jesus And my heart goes dancing inside Leaping onward and upward Running with Him Through the morning so clear I see Jesus And my soul goes winging on high And it matters not where I may be Just as long as He's here Running along with my master, my heart beating faster with lengthening strides. Putting down underfoot all my bitterness, worry, and pride. A brilliant new song that he's taught me to sing, forces darkness to hide. And its sweet invitation calls others to follow along. And I see Jesus And my heart goes dancing inside Leaping onward and upward Running with Him Through the morning so clear I see my Jesus And my soul goes winging on high And it matters not where I may be Just as long as He's here Matters not where I may be Just as long as he's here As we move along in word and song There'll be a punctuated pause For a personal prophetic encouragement I learned some, sometime back my job description prophetically Is I'm a appointed anointed by God's grace glorified UPS delivery boy <laughs> who delivers care packages of encouragement to your inner mailbox for you to prayerfully ponder and test and lay alongside the statement of scripture borne witness to by your spirit and his spirit. And I submit it to pastoral authority here. And it might be sung. The sons of Asaph prophesied on harps. The Psalms of David and the other psalmists were written to be sung. What are your names right here? Leonard and Linda. What again? Leonard and Linda. Leonard and Linda, hell Pillars in the church. Amen. Pillars of support with servant's heart and hearts of intercession. Linda, your heart beats with the supreme intercessor as you pray. Insightful, 
vision for what you know the Lord is maestroing this into manifestation. A visionary. Limbered, a servant's heart with the hands of a craftsman, and a heart that just overflows with generosity. Down home, anointed wisdom, and yet out of this world, imported from the heart of God, spoken in plain, clear, simple, yet deep speech. God bless that too. What are your names right here? Daniel. Daniel and? Jamie. Daniel and Jamie. Turning a corner into new beginnings. Marvelous time on the threshold of entry. There's been some relocating, both spiritually and naturally. But realizing for such a time as this, we are in such a place as this. Extreme opposites in the soul chemistry in some ways. But the Lord maestroing that into a way that is symphonic. It doesn't always come easy. And I know as one married man to another, and this married woman would attest to it. We've been married for 52 years. I'm a visionary. She's a detailed person. Between the two of us, we're one functioning adult. <laughs> but when we stopped competing and started coalescing, that was a major turning point. Visionary, there's a fine line between that and a state, uh, space case, and sometimes we step across it. Detailed person, there's a fine light between that and nitpicking, and sometimes we strap across that. But I've learned to value her and see me, and I've become actually more detailed than I used to be, thank God. I still forget where I parked my car at Walmart, but I did that when I was 25. It's not senility. Jamie, a creative heart, the soaring soul of an artist. Artist rebirthed in your heart, transmitted through your hands. A coalescing of strengths and engaging of gears that will come into agreement and have a vital role to play in this revival awakening visitation that's already beginning. There's going to be a movie coming out in the spring entitled The Jesus Revolution. And it is kind of a documentary-based drama of the Jesus Revolution of the late 60s and early 70s. Donna and I were around for that. <laughs> and they have got some people that we actually knew played by actors. It's interesting, uh, the founder of the original Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith, is played by Kelsey Grammer. And there was this wild, looked like the Prince of Freedom, hippie-esque kind of guy, gentle, and yet when he was public, exploded with signs and wonders, named Lonnie Frisbee. He was a personal friend of mine. Donna and I grew up an hour apart from one another in Southern California on Highway 101, and yet the Lord, even though our heels were dug in and we didn't want to go, 
saw to it that we were part of an airlift to Copenhagen, Denmark, to do outreach amid the porn fair that was going on there, and hand out tracts and witness to people, anybody that would listen. And as we arrived there, it seemed like every time we turned around, we saw one another. We had barely been acquainted. I prided myself in the singularity of being single and was the unofficial president of Bachelors for the Rapture. <laughs> but I noticed her the first day that we were there. And I remember our courtship in detail. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic. And she was wearing this little plaid dress with a white collar and white cuffs and was cavorting around with her uh, girlfriends down there somewhere. And I was noticing her. And I was thinking, man, I wish she was my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Two days later, she was. <laughs> but it was interesting. Lonnie Frisbee was on that trip and was cutting his prophetic teeth. And up in the guy's dorm, Lonnie leaves his sleeping bag and comes across to where I am. And I'm just about to go under like a submarine with screen doors because it's been worrisome and jet lag and all that. And he kind of taps me on the head and said, Dick, I noticed you noticing Donna. Go for it. <laughs> Two days later, we were crammed in a smaller team, seven of us. You know, there had been uh, 50 of us with the Action Life Singers, but they'd be the older singles uh, to do an outreach. She was sitting in the front, I was sitting in the back. And I heard her testimony and just fell in love with her spirit. And I remembered a seasoned minister when I was at UCLA say, Dick, the woman that brings in your life a three-pronged cord is not easily broken. There will be a symphonic connectedness and attractiveness of spirit, soul, and physicality. Two out of three won't get it. And I fell in love with her spirit. I had noticed her before. And uh, she was a knockout then, and she's more beautiful today. She gets embarrassed when I say that, and I'll probably get a lecture on the way, but I'll brave it. Bottom line, <laughs> it scores points. <clears throat> it's just the truth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And somehow the seating arrangement got rearranged on the way back, and we got jammed in together in the back seat, and there was no place to put my arm but across the back of the seat where she was. <laughs> And I was trying to be nonchalant. I didn't want to seem forward. So I thought, I'll look out the window. It was fogged over with condensation. I said, well, I can at least do the courteous thing of looking at her. And I looked, and she was already looking. And there was this bouffant, dark brown, almost black hair. And although I come from a family of, of um, beautiful blondes, my attraction had always been to brunettes, and I'd had a fetish of a celebrity crushes before Donna stepped in. Uh, late 50s, early 60s. So some of these, you're going to say, who in the world is he talking about? It was Annette Funicello, mid-60s. It was a Natalie Wood, West Side Story, Tony's dying in her arms, and I'm almost tempted to shout, let him croak, Natalie, I'm still here. And then in the mid-60s to late-60s, 
a show called Shindig with this beautiful brunette songstress named Donna Lauren, who chose to step out of the limelight to raise a family in the late 60s, and no more ever before my eyes, and who should drop in? But at that time, she's chosen to be auburn-haired now. It's a woman's prerogative. <laughs> this beautiful brunette with the bonnet, with the hair, and I'm looking into these blue eyes that look like Lake Tahoe in the sunlight. And I think, this is it. Spirit, soul, physicality. It's symphonic. Lonnie had tapped me on the head and said, go for it, brother. I'm going to be in pursuit. Lord, stick a fork, Mimni. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> and if I'm missing it, I am in some deep bandini. <laughs> Hallelujah. We were engaged at the end of that tour, which was about 12 days, thereabouts. <laughs> Never had an official date, but were inseparable during the daytime doing evangelism, and were married three months later at a church in Ventura where she had been the secretary before. That was July 25th of 1970, 52 years ago. Hallelujah. God's so good. He can take... Two people who didn't want to go to Copenhagen, people kept giving them money. Okay, I'll go, Lord. And we end up, and we end up with our eyes fixated on one another almost from the start, me first and then her, and then come back engaged. And for boomers, we were ripe. I was almost 30. She was almost 27. Uh, this generation is waiting longer. But to be that as it may. Hallelujah. What are your names right here? And Lacey. Craig and Lacey, I've spoken over you before. Yes, you have. I remember your faces. Prophetic cross-pollination, your portion. You're both highly prophetic and highly cognizant of the times. Uh, there was a fraternity of the prophetic in the Old Testament called the Sons of Issachar. They knew what was going on. You guys know what's going on behind the scenes. And you know the depth of darkness that's pulling strings now. But you also know the height of God's sovereignty that's starting to pour out the nuances that's been in response to a intercessory remnant that is growing and being poured out. And we are going to see what is now sprinkles becoming a deluge of outpouring and a climactic titanic clash between darkness and light in these days. You've seen it, and you're wanting a piece of the action in it. Praise the name Amen. of the Lord. Amen. And what you are envisioning is going to become visible. The Lord's going to use your home as a haven for healing and a citadel for discipleship. Now, a lot of times these things jump all over the room in dynamic dittos. Hallelujah. I've got to be in touch with the Kronos while I'm touching eternity here. Uh, two things. This is my, my theology. I can't give you a scripture for it, but two things that I don't expect to see in heaven are wristwatches and neckties. <laughs> Just my humble opinion. Some sanctified speculation. Contrary to some, I believe we will see animals. They were in the garden. 
And I believe we're going to see them in heaven. So your favorite pet will be there, or pets, maybe succession of them. And um, there are those that I've heard that say, well, that can't be. Animals don't have soul. They've never had a pet. Dogs, and you've got to know the psychology of cats. And some of you are saying, give me a break. They, it's a whole different psychology to learn to relate to. But they have souls. They, they have affection. They have a desire for the give and take of love. They know when you're sick and will curl up with you. And we're going to see them there. And they're going to be able to communicate in some telepathic or, commu or, 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 or linguistic way. Eve, when she's tempted by the serpent inhabited by Satan, the snake starts talking to her. She didn't say, a talking snake, I'm getting the heck out of Dodge. You know, she listened while it was a normal thing. And maybe some of their uh, discourse as they were <clears throat> going to bed at night. Adam may have had said, you know, I had an interesting conversation with a duck-billed platypus today. <laughs> <clears throat> Learn more about their world. God sure made some strange ones. That, that, he looked like he was made with some leftover parts, but... He, you know, he sure had a personality. Oh, God is so good. Shattered dreams, crushing disappointments. The Lord is invading the rubble of those things and restoring us where we have been a shattered bouquet. Had that in mind as I discoursed with people who had been refugees from devastation coming into restoration, and I wrote this song in honor of their testimony. Scattered roses in the rain, long lost joys from seasons past, you've gathered them again for a bouquet that will last. The fragrance of your love Breathes new life into my soul Made a living sweet bouquet From roses left out in the cold The wreckage I surveyed Was my life after the storm Scattered rubble in the night Twisted, battered, without form Those I once called friends Left my silent soul for dead Been there, done that There was nothing they could do Only words of sorrow said Scattered roses in the rain Long lost joys from seasons You've gathered them again For a bouquet that will last The fragrance of your love Breathes new life into my soul Made a living sweet bouquet Roses left out in the cold You know, sometimes, folks, we Christians can take 
complementary truths and make them competitive. I found myself engaged in debate with somebody who had issues with people that were looking forward to heaven and that they could experience heaven in the here and now. I agreed with him. But I refused to let it take away the anticipation of seeing friends on the other side of glory with family. It's mentioned there in Peter, within two verses of one another, that we're receiving the salvation of our souls now, and yet we are being preserved for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. The same thing I've heard people say, well, the end-time church is going to be apostate. And others say, no, it's going to be vitalized with revival. Those can happen at the same time. Example, symbolic in the Old Testament, tabernacle of David. One large tent with a plurality of priesthood, we're a kingdom of priests, 24-7 praising the Lord and creativity being birthed prophetically and dance going out from that place. Just up the way, practically round the block, the tabernacle of Moses, which had its day. It's operating. One paid professional, high cheese with a rope around his leg in case he screws up, goes in to offer up blood for the sacrifices of the people. But guess what? When he gets in the Holy of Holies, there's no ark. It's been bye-bye, dove. Hello, Ichabod. I think we've lost touch with God. I think I'm going to cry. I don't do that in every church. <laughs> Some of you got to be old enough to even know the parody that I'm doing there. But uh, that's okay. I realize i got to update some of my analogies that are a bit antiquated. <laughs> I was doing impressions the other day of, um, of people, which I, which I do. The problem is they're all dead. And I was doing my best John Wayne for Jackson, my, my uh, grandson. And he said, Papo, I'm sure you're doing a good job of who you are impersonating, but I have no idea of who it is, but I want to encourage you. I feel like you're doing a good job. <laughs> I thought a generation that hasn't, doesn't know John Wayne, that is ignorance bordering on irreverence. <laughs> By the way, the Duke got saved three or four weeks before his passing from a letter from Robert Schuler's daughter encouraging him, saying, Mr. Wayne, I've enjoyed you on the silver screen. I want to be able to think of heaven with you there. He got the message, delivered, hand-carried by somebody else, and in a restaurant, read it with tears in his eyes out loud, and said, I want you to know, I'm giving my life over to Jesus Christ. We'll see him on the other side of glory. And that'll be the day. <laughs> Hallelujah. I also do Johnny Cash, Elvis, and Martin and Lewis, but that's another message, count your blessings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are a lot of fun. God's doing a marvelous work in the church. That remnant is growing that's willing to be restored and camp around the presence of God to become a temple, a body, a family, an army, a bride. Michelangelo took a third-rate piece of marble, and they said, Mike, how in the world did you make that into David? 
He said, I just looked at that. I saw David in it and chipped and chiseled away everything that wasn't David. He's calling for the essence of a temple where the Lord is exalted exclusively. A body, multiple gifts, not functioning in competition, but coalescence. Learning to be a family, loving at close range with healing love. An army pulling down strongholds without and within. And a bride being purged of spot and wrinkle that is the permanent stain of wardom with the world removed by the Lord as only he can do and the religion of performing wrinkles that have made people old before their time and renewing their youth as the eagles. He's coming for a church kicking the gates of hell off of its hinges. He's coming for a church where the spirit and the bride say the same thing at the same time. I know there's a variety of eschatologies, but all that is biblical, and Jesus gets his prophecies fulfilled, and those needed to be included in your eschatology, whatever they are. I've got friends with different takes on this and that, and I've got tendencies myself, but eschatology that I don't put up with is escapism, elitism, and something so systematized it doesn't give God room to be creative and surprise us. Other than that, it's sanctified speculation and the early church lived in an imminent expectancy of his coming and we are to do the same and move forward and occupy till he comes. Amen. Glorious day. Hallelujah. While he's doing that, He's telling the church, you're a temple, a body, a family, an army, a bride, but you're not the kingdom. You are the vessel and vehicle of the kingdom, so stop building churches in the name of building the kingdom. The kingdom's already built. We become, under the supreme architect, the church that he is building with his subcontractors, each of which we are, to become vessels and demonstrations of the kingdom that is which is a culture of love, order, power, purity, abundance, and health. That's just plain Christianity. Hallelujah. And meanwhile, while he's doing that, his original covenant people, the natural Jews, he hasn't forsaken them. What they have survived through the years, a nation, the rival nations hell-bent on their destruction, holocaust, the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., Stalin annihilating so many, the disproportionate number of Nobel Prize winners and overachievers in the realm of music and science and so on, there is still an abiding residue of anointing and favor, and the Lord is cultivating them, and we are going to see a tremendous epidemic revelation of Yeshua to natural Jews I can see them gathering on the freeway off-ramp now to join us, and we will become as one. I'm not into replacement theology. God doesn't replace the church with Israel, or Israel with the church, but it brings them into one. We're going to see the bride with her hands uplifted and superimposed the statuesque beauty of Jesus Christ himself, one complete man, and that's been cultivated by the fivefold, the apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and those aren't guys walking around with badges and, and basking in titles, 
but it is a pliable, positive brokenness, advanced servanthood with a passion to see the church brought to maturity. That's just the book of Ephesians. It's just plain Christianity. Hallelujah. He's bringing his people to live in the dimension of his promises. The land of promise that is the kingdom of God experienced on this side of glory and felling the giants that would try to bar the path with slingshots of the word of grace that's been fashioned as projectiles in the stream and with a slingshot of our mouths launched from our heart those declarations that are leveling those giants as we walk forward on their face. Those giants of skepticism, intimidation, bullying, greed, lying. They've got an ability to magnify themselves. We look above their heads as David, not as that committee of ten that overruled Joshua and Caleb, who saw themselves as grasshoppers coming into the land. Israel returned to their land practically in 1948. The latter rain revival was going on. Billy Graham had his tent set up in Hollywood. People were coming forward in droves out of the ranks of the celebrities. People uh, moving in signs and wonders like William Branham, A.A. Allen, um, Jack Cole, uh, just a, uh, Alexander Dowie, and a lot of those guys didn't finish well. Lonnie didn't finish well, but was still welcomed into the open arms of the Lord. They're, those pioneers were targets, but they've learned to become authentic and have that cluster of accountability, a relationship around them. We've learned from their mistakes and yet have been inspired by the successes of God operating to them as they returned over. The late, great Catherine Kuhlman, amazing. She would cultivate a spirit of worship with an appointed, anointed choir, and it would be so thick, the weighty splendor of God, she would come out on stage and begin to point out with that long, bony finger people that had been healed in the climate of worship. Young girl over there, she said, you're 10 years old. You were blind from birth. You can see now. Stand up. The little girl would stand up. Is that your dad next to you? Yes, it is. Come up here, both of you. She said, sir, were you an atheist when you got here? He said, yeah. Are you one now? No. There are those of you feeling a surge of strength in your legs in wheelchairs. Stand up right now. They stood up all over the room. Those with an irregular heartbeat racing with arterial fibrillation. Stand up right now. Hallelujah. Those who can hear my voice, whose ears have been opened, you can take out your hearing aids, you're healed. In the climate of glory, manifestations were being maestroed by the Lord who watches over his word to perform it, folks. That was a marvelous sight to see. This was back in Portland, Oregon, 1971. God saves the best wine for last. Hallelujah. The church is coming into the land of the provision of the kingdom of God in the here and now on this side of glory and learning to receive and believe the promises and by faith possess them on a practical level. The total salvation of God. And we're all learning. We've all got room to grow. Israel is going to come into the same land. 1967, the Six-Day War. What a tremendous thing was going on. All heaven was breaking loose in the streets of California with the Jesus movement. 
there's parallels between spiritual natural and natural Israel. And we'll see the culmination when Jesus comes, touches his feet on the Mount of Olives, and the city about four square, spiritual Jerusalem, comes and settles on Zion's hill of natural Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. He loves it when a plan comes together and his plans come together. Amen. I'm going to close with this song. <clears throat> this is in view of the church coming into its destiny of victory. And there will be those that refuse his presence, that lapse into apostasy that were norm nominal to begin with. There will be those that will escape that religious BS, don't worry ladies, that stands for baloney and salami. <laughs> And we'll join together with those that have discovered Messiah, Yeshua, as one statuesque man. The beauty of Jesus superimposed on a praising bride without spot or blemish. And God can do an accelerated work. If a little Asian bug, fortune in the pit of hell, can change the way we do life in two weeks, when God starts to accelerate things and step on the accelerator, Imagine how fast things can change. This is the one song I'm singing this morning that I didn't write. It was the tune, the theme from Exodus. The words were penned by Mr. Pat Boone, who some of you are thinking, who in the world is Pat Boone? And somebody said, doesn't, is he an old guy that does commercials for pain-free kind of stuff or bathtubs or whatever? He was a heartthrob singing star of the 1950s and still has a pretty doggone good voice at age 86. Now he would be uh, 87, he's five years older than I am. One of the few celebrities that I've actually met up close and personal. He penned words to the theme from Exodus. It was a marvelous movie of the homecoming of the Jews by Otto Preminger. But I think there's parallels in the spirit. <clears throat> I'm going to sing that and come to a close in case you were wondering how long is this guy going on. And I'm not going to say one more thing. <clears throat> this land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land is mine. And when the setting sun reveals her hills and plains, then I see a land where children can run free. So take my hand, walk this land with me, and walk this golden land with me. Though I am just a man When you are by my side With the help of God I know I can be strong To make this land my home If I must fight, I'll fight To make this land my home 
Until I die, this land is mine. Possess the land of the kingdom with Holy Ghost escort as you cross over into the Canaan of his divinely appointed anointed destiny. And don't be surprised if you meet a bunch of natural messianic Israelites that begin to travel in the same lane on the king's highway with you, greeting the sunrise of the appearing of the king. Glory to God. God bless you. May he take his anointed hands, dripping with the balm of Gilead, nail-pierced crevices, and massage your heart and soul with encouragement in these days. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Praise God. Well, thank you, Brother Dick. Thank you so much for you and Donna coming on out here to visit with us. Greatly appreciate that. I hope you all were blessed by that. Let's do this. Let's stand together and uh, let's uh, worship the Lord together one last time. And uh, then we'll be dismissed.
you've done we thank you for all that you're doing and Lord we just ask Lord that you would continue to uh, just speak your word into each one of our hearts Lord as we come and as we go this week Lord that you would uh, just uh, uh, point our eyes and our face towards you this week that we would uh, Lord have ears to hear the word that your spirit would bring to us that we'd be willing to be used by you in it. We thank you for it, God. Bless each and every single one. Encourage them. Strengthen them in you, we pray. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church is not over. It's only begun. Go be the church. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.